Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, Dental Business Radio listener land. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. I would like to thank our sponsor. That would be me. I am the founder and CEO of Practice Quotient PPO Analysis and Negotiation and also the um, on the board for Dental Business Radio LLC. Um, so just in case you don't like some of the content, you can always take it up with our sponsors. Um, now, in that vein, uh, today we are going to have... Uh, Dr. Michael Davis, Mike Davis out of New Mexico. And Mike Davis is more than a dentist. Mike is a journalist and he writes all kinds of stuff. And he's uh, also testified in court cases. I'll let him tell a little bit more about his background. But as most of you regular listeners know, what this show is all about is I like to ask questions and I'm talking to people and um, somehow I came across one of Michael's articles and I said, man, that's a good article. And so he started sending me some more and I kept reading his articles and I really dig it. So some of it's a bit controversial, probably for those that um, don't like what he's saying or become uncomfortable with it. Um, so I just ask all of you, dear listeners, to please keep your underwear unwadded, unwad the underwear. It'll be fine. Um, so with that. Uh, let me give a proper introduction to Dr. Mike Davis. How are you, sir? I'm excellent. I'm glad to be with your listeners and you today, Patrick. And uh, I think we're going to have some fun. And uh, let's see where we're going to go with this. This is going to be fun. Gotcha. Yeah, it's. Um, I am very excited to to see where it goes. I was looking over like the different articles earlier, and I'm like, man, I don't know which one I want to talk about. Um, it's you know, so let's just do this. Let's kind of for context um let's put uh, obviously you're a dentist in santa fe um but also give a little bit of background on the kind of dental consulting that you do um and i don't know the um stuff that you're doing for the courts you know many okay where you have to testify as an expert right yeah i'm a full-time practicing dentist general dentist in santa fe new mexico Uh, I also do a fair amount of uh, expert legal work for law firms, consulting for law firms, done some uh, consulting for the insurance industry, uh, liability carriers on occasion, uh, malpractice liability carriers. Yeah. So Uh, so hold on. Let me stop you there. So we're talking about malpractice liability or we're talking about consulting with some of uh, my colleagues over the dental insurance companies. No, not that. Uh, With the uh, malpractice carriers. Gotcha. Okay. Different and, types of insurance. Uh, what's yeah, different, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whole different world. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just have to clarify. Uh so malpractice. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean that I haven't been involved with the insurance industry, the um uh, the PPO industry. Did I've that I, you know, I've let's say done some writing on the people who uh in Massachusetts with their question two on the medical loss ratios. I've certainly worked with those people and uh, tried to get a platform for them. And they've got a great national platform, which sprung out of Massachusetts. Um, Yeah. I mean, listen, let's just jump off right there. So um, if you want to find out more about Michael, um, 
and I'm going to call Mike from here on out. It's um, you can go to our website page at dentalbusinessradio.com and just go to the episode page. But in the interest of time and interest, um, let's hop into that. So I've been saying for years, I'm like, listen, um, you can only tax the people so much until they throw your metaphorical tea into the Boston Harbor. Right. And so it's ironic to me that the uh, what prop two, um, as, as you guys call it, passed in Massachusetts. And for those listeners that don't know, it's an MLR rule or medical loss ratio, but called dental claims loss ratio. Um, And it was overwhelmingly passed on a ballot initiative by the public, which means it limits the profit of uh, any insurance company or nonprofit insurance company to a certain amount. Um, percentage, not a certain amount. So a certain percentage. Yeah, you're correct. I'm sorry. Um, and that percentage is 83? 83%. Absolutely. So who came up with that? Uh, who came up with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the committee in Massachusetts who did that. Uh, it was an independent committee. Uh, Mo Riscala, Dr. Mo Riscala was uh, instrumental in that committee. Uh, he's an orthodontist in Massachusetts. Uh, he was the, the chief initiator. He got some help also from Dr. Jill Tanzi, who's with the um, another independent group, the uh, Massachusetts uh, Independent Dentist Alliance. Um, uh, the Mass Dental Society was really late to the game. They did get on board. A big, big factor there was uh, he is now president-elect of the Massachusetts Dental Society, uh, Dr. Abe, and don't ask me to pronounce his last name. It's uh, uh, it's an Arabic name, and I'll butcher it, but he's Dr. Abe. Abe. Everybody knows who Dr. Abe is. High, high integrity man, hardworking man, and uh, historically... Let's just say in the Massachusetts Dental Society and their relationship with Delta Dental was a little too close, a little too close. And hmm. those those old models were shattered. Mm-hmm. Um, the, from a somebody who's been in the dental insurance industry for over 20 years, in my which is just one man's opinion. That was, uh, it's more than just the canary in the coal mine. That this is a game changer. Um, now what's going to change? I don't know. Uh, I'm certainly keeping you know a close eye on it. Um, I know other states are looking at it, and for the listeners out there who don't know, um, I'll, I'll try to explain this in layman's terms. So, the medical loss ratio rule is very dental was exempted from uh, Papaka or the ACA or Obamacare, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same. Uh, and so, in that legislation that was passed uh, famously, um, it has an 85%. So, it means it says you have to spend 85% of your uh, every dollar taken in on medical premium on claims for large group, and then 80% for small group, which is uh, under 100 small employers. Uh, and so dental was exempted. The volume of dollars isn't as high. Uh, and so I can see both sides of this particular argument. Um, and More to it than that. I, I'll, yeah, go ahead. The volume of dollars... Absolutely is not as high, 
but the risk is nowhere near as high. In dental, there's no catastrophic like medical. Uh, benefits are capped annually. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really paper shuffling and administration of a plan. There's, there's not a lot of risk to the insurance company. This is, uh, I, I'm not going to argue any of those points. I think they're all valid. The, um, fact is though, so one thing that, you know, I preach all the time. So, you know, I, I have more, more, you know, I have a health and, you know, I understand health insurance and life insurance. I'm certified in disability as well, which is, um, but let's call it a more robust insurance for, um, a loss that's life changing. Um, I don't need dental insurance personally. All right. I just use my HSA or my FSA. Um, and I have, I'm in a, a micro employer, right? 10, that's 10 employees or less. And so in, in all of our clients are dentists. So, um, so at any rate, I, I don't need dental insurance cause I could do math, but, and most people from the finance or the insurance industry will, you know, off the record say, you know, dental insurance is what it, you know, it's not, it's not the same as, you know, uh, exact, you know, dis a robust disability package, life insurance, even, you know, even a health insurance policy, even though they're getting skippy these days. Um, the but this is not my decision the fact is that the number one reason why people don't go to the dentist is because they don't have dental insurance and i think that's silly personally um but you know it is it's you know just kind of an empirical factor it's accepted as um study after study and you know the second reason is they don't know how much it's going to be so dental insurance for better or for worse is it's really a financial path to um, that people think that they need in order to go see, um, you know, a dentist or access oral hygiene or access oral health care at all. Right. Um, and again, you know, I'm more educated on the subject, but the fact is that they're out there now. The employers want to retain talent. And so that's why they're offering it as a benefit. And so, um, now this has been a big boon to the employers you know, and in some cases, the unions, they want to make sure their, their people, uh -huh. their, their, uh, union members get benefits. Second, most requested benefit behind medical, right? You got medical, you got dental. And so the, the overall purpose of dental, and this has gotten more people in by the way. Um, and I, I you had wrote down a question I thought was interesting, of why, why a DSO or why a corporate entity would like any PPO was I don't think any PPO is good. Um, not all of them, but just depends on your needs and what you're looking for. Um, so at any rate, dental insurance is there, but dental insurance is not really a cash cow for, you know, an insurance company like guardian, for example, right? They're, you know, they're known for gold plated disability packages. Yes, they do dental. Um, but Delta is the one that's nonprofit that um, got very, very large. And their uh, nonprofit status helped them get very large. And right. it's arguable that their nonprofit status was abused. Their competitors right. would argue that their nonprofit status helped them grow. Am I wrong? I don't think so. <laughs> And there's lawsuits pending 
regarding that. Uh, they're right now in, in federal court in the, in Chicago. I believe that's the seventh district. Mm-hmm. You following hmm. that one? Hmm. Um, Are you going to play? Am I going to a place you don't want to go? I don't know. No, but I think that, uh, the double D and in, in Delta, what happened in Massachusetts, this is just one man's opinion. Um, but there was a large windfall in that area. And I think that once there started to be some money in there, that it's just, it became a slippery slope. Now, I don't know um, exactly, but what I do know is that there's a dominant market share in many markets and that the providers are getting squeezed. Um, and it's really, you know, business well, 101 or... Yeah, definitely insurance 101 is you know, you want to get to a dominant market share, right? And say uh, it, whether it's 55%, 60%, whoever's in charge. And then you more. want more. Right. Want more in many markets. Or, right. 80% in many but they, markets. And that's what everybody wants to do. And so just for everybody's record, the double D is not the only one that does it. Um, <clears throat> Alabama um, has a similar issue with a with a, a different organization um now so generally speaking though everybody in the insurance industry wants to get up to a dominant market share and then they're going to squeeze their cost of care what's their cost of care it's providers right um now is that fair no maybe i don't know it's business and so but what i've witnessed is that it's particularly in in some states it's definitely patently unfair and so there's this mega mega organization that has a dominant market share that's enjoying you know windfall profits or revenue streams of however you categorize it uh and then they're just wrecking the providers um and those are the folks that are actually doing the work and and at the point of service you know uh, otherwise we're just issuing, and I say we sometimes because the revenues the increase, yeah. the fee schedules keep decreasing. Right. Uh, we saw the squeeze in Washington State, and we saw Bingo. you know the whole situation concerns dentists of Washington, and then eventually the State Dental Association of Washington picked up that cause. Uh, we see the situation in California. But what did what did they do? What was the end result? Uh, the Delta Dental keeps reducing the fees to providers. Right. Fee <laughs> keep like, squeezing them. Squeeze right. them, baby. Squeeze them. So uh, you have to be aware of that. This is one of the things that I kind of preach is, you know, you have to be aware. Of, we're all business owners, but you should also be aware of, you know, your the macroeconomics of your um, area. You know, if all, you know, I like analogies, Mike. So I, I try to explain it. I'm like, well, let's say instead of a dentist, Mike, that you were a, a seatbelt manufacturer, you know, seatbelt buckle, and you were in Detroit and you made seatbelt buckles, right? And you, for, for 30 years, your best client, you had one client and it was GM. That's it. And you go to the golf outings every summer, you donate charities, Christmas parties, you know, everybody. It was great. They're paying you a dollar per seatbelt buckle, 20 years. And then all of a sudden, one day they call you up and they go, hey, Mike, you know, listen, uh, there's a new guy in town. There's a bunch more suppliers. Now we're going to pay you 50 cents uh, instead of a dollar. What are you going to do about it? Well, you only have one, one client, 
right? So you need to diversify your your revenue streams, just like you diversify your your you know portfolio of investments. Um. So what do you think about that analogy? Do you have a better analogy? Because I'm I think it's, all it's, ears. The, the analogy is apples and oranges to what we got. Uh, firstly, as doctors, we have a primary obligation. It's not a standard business. We have a primary uh, obligation to the interest of the patient, first and foremost, not to revenue. Now, by contrast, if you're running a, a company, your your uh your primary obligation is maximum return on investment, maximal ROI for your shareholders. So the interests are incongruent. Um, you know, the doctor is at a, a terrible disadvantage in that situation. So I don't see it as, as two different suppliers. Now, we look at a situation similar to a monopoly, all right, when, a mono- when one company dominates uh, a market. And they can do uh, vertical integration. They can do horizontal integration. They can really dominate an industry. They squeeze out the competition and they can set their prices wherever they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's one employer in a town, be it a coal mine in eastern Kentucky, be it a, a, a textile mill that used to run, like we used to run them down in South Carolina. You're, the, you're the, basically the only employer in that small town. You set wages wherever you want. You set working conditions pretty much wherever you want. That's a monopsomy. And that's what we see with uh, the double D in a number of uh, demographics. And uh, that's a lot of what that lawsuit is about. And they'll work that out. It may take them a number of years, but they'll work it out. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't really see it as the same, your analogy. Um, gotcha. Well, let's my, say that. My perspective. So I guess let's say that you are, you know, you're in New Mexico, you have a similar problem there um, and you only participate with one plan and that, that network, or you're only in one network and that network, you're giving them the opportunity to use your name and your reputation to sell business because the product is you. It's the dentist in Santa Fe. To some extent, there's also another model where they, when they, when they market to employers, they say, we have the most providers of any other company. And if it's a DSO, the provider could be from, you know, 70, 80, hundred miles away. It's they're in their, in their DSO group as an associate. That's, Mm -hmm. that's another marketing uh, tool that they'll use when they go to the, uh, uh, human resource department to market their insurance product. Well, well, sure, sure. So, but the first thing, let's say that you're Santa Fe widget making company, your Santa Fe hospital, Santa Fe board of education, whatever. Um, and what happens, and I can tell you from personal experience, right? You go in there and you say, Hey, we got the biggest network in, in Santa Fe, right? So where your employees are. And that's the first question is how many, then it's which ones. Then you get down to the price of the actual product, if that makes sense. Um, because the product itself is the, the provider community. And how many docs do you have 
And, you know, do you have Mike Davis? Is Mike Davis my, my, my dentist? If I'm the president of the company, is that going to be important to me? Hell yeah, it will be. Um, and so that's, it's always how many then do what unique ones do you have? Um, that's the first thing that the employer groups do because they don't, you know, they're busy teaching or running a hospital or doing whatever they do. Uh, they're, you know, they, they just, they're offering dental to attract and retain employees because they want it. Um, and that's also, we can get into, that's why they also will lease out their provider lists to other insurance companies. Well, it's not that. Well, so let's stop at the, the employer's part, right? So the, okay. this is what the employers are doing. And so then the insurance companies, what, what they do is they're coming to you and there's not just you just because you're a dentist and you're here. And they say, Mike, you know, if you be join our network here, you be in our network. And then um, we will route patients to your door. And then instead of charging a dollar for service, you give us a discount, say, you know, 25%, 30%, you know, whatever's fair, whatever they can get away with or negotiate. Um, you are, there's only three reasons why you're going to do that. Number one is to avoid empty chair time. That's a good reason. Number two, there's a marketing component to it, but it's certainly not free, right? And number three is for referrals. And so, but what's happening is you're exchanging the discount for what? To be on their website directory. Woohoo. <laughs> How many other and it's a savings and marketing costs, which it will cost you to get right. You're just not writing a check, right? And then, but they're using your name and reputation and they'll route patients to you and they have a lot of marketing dollars. And you know, um, and so but but in today's go- economics and today's economic climate, do you want that? Are you willing to take that hit? With our labor costs where they are, with our labor shortage of uh, skilled labor, skilled labor in uh, chairside assistance, uh, skilled labor in dental hygienists, uh, these are expensive employees. Can you afford to take that economic hit? And more and more, uh, you can't. Yeah, right. I think that more and more is the answer is no. Now it varies. So all the insurance industry is just like any other group of people. There's some good ones and some you know mediocre ones, and not everybody thinks the same way or does the same things. Um, but you know, ultimately, the squeeze that's been hitting you guys, um, the provider community as a whole, where you know you're getting fifty cents on the dollar. And in an inflationary environment after COVID, after you've had to do all the safety stuff, um, more compliance, um, all of your employees want to raise. There's no hygienist to be found. You're, the cost for all of your services are, you know, up, what, what 10, 15%. Yep. Um, and so the cost of doing business everywhere is, is that. So now all of a sudden, like the fee schedule is going to come down. What? Like, Outside of so what what I'm seeing locally in my community, and this is going on around the country, more and more dropping out as providers who does not drop out uh, are the DSOs. They want that. That's a warm body in the chair to upsell on services or uh, items which they sell, which are outside of the insurance industry's fee schedule. They don't really care. They you know come on in for the dollar exam. Because we, we want to do uh, 14 crowns for you, and uh, whether you need them or not, and we're going to put you on a, a payment plan. We'll hook you up with a, a credit company. You'll pay in advance, and uh, 
we'll give you a quote unquote discount because you're signing up through our plan. It's not quite like insurance, but it's kind of like insurance. Uh, no, it's not. And why? Well, they're not supposed to say kind of like uh, the membership programs. That well, let's switch gears a little bit right back to the DSO. I um, so I, I, I think you just answered the question of because you've done a lot of writing on DSOs, and I think that again, just like any group, that there's very likely good, bad, indifferent, mediocre, etc. Well, there, there's good docs and bad DSOs. They're just not going to stay. Um, th- there are. Right. Um, uh, are there good DSOs? Uh, I know of a couple. I know some docs who are very happy within the DSO models. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. some pretty good good clinicians in those models. They're exceptions. They're not the rule. Gotcha. So- I don't care what our you know executives from the ADA say. They want that dues revenue. Uh, and they're, they're, they, they think if they play nice with the DSO industry, they're going to get these uh, young docs. Uh, who are working with the DSOs to sign up with the ADA and get their dues revenue. That's not the way to do it. Uh, I will tell you that on average, and you can get this, who's, who did I get this from? Uh, Chris Saliano. You may know Chris. Curious dentist. Uh, Name he's, he's, he was a former editor of uh, Dental Economics. Mm, yeah. Chris let me know. And we, we went over, he showed me some stats or he emailed me some stats uh, uh, if you're working for a DSO, one third won't last the year. Two thirds won't last two years. And then beyond that, more will stay. So it's a very, very high turnover. Uh, we're seeing a lot of young docs. They've been three, four, five years out of school. They've had three, four, five different employers. Uh, so playing nice with the DSO industry is not the way to get these young docs into the ADA. Um, it's to show them we've got their back, not their employer's back. We've got their back. Two different concepts. That's interesting. I'll, I'll have to buy that because they are. Have to the, buy anything I say. Challenge everything I say. Well, I will. But this, I think that the ADA, as since I'm not a dentist, and I, you know, it's that's something that you guys have to work out. Well, we saw the way the AMA went. They went down to almost zero membership. And that's what I'm afraid is going to happen to the ADA unless they wake up. Uh, We've got some great, great members from the grassroots who are in the House of Delegates. Uh, But historically, at the senior positions, we've had some dogs, some nasty people, uh, some very (laughs) self-serving people. Uh, That's flat out. I mean, that's that's what it is. You know what? So. You got to remember, I'm an insurance gang. I am from the corporate world. I got into the dental, this niche. And that's one of the reasons why I started this show, right? Because well, what I do, I'm like, that's weird. Why does that happen? So I just pick up the phone and I call people. I'm not shy at all. I'm like, what's up with that? And then they tell me. And so, and I, you know, and then that's how I learned. Uh, so I agree with what you're saying on the ADA as somebody who sat on a board for you know, the National Association of Health Underwriters at the Georgia State Board, you're protecting the individual agent versus the agency in my world. And in your world, it's the individual provider versus the DSO, but the DSOs, you know, obviously are funneling money and probably influence somewhere, right? Anytime oh, really? I mean, Advertising revenue carries a big stick. 
Right. But, you know, the, the whole point of an association is to protect, educate and set standards in, in my, this is just one man's opinion, but that's how I believe. Um, and to also help the industry as a whole. And so I don't, you know, I know I've met some people at the ADA. I think they're great. But one question I have, one thing that's really puzzled me, and maybe you can shed some light on it, maybe not. Um, there's certain, I, I've traveled all over the country and spoke in different places. And sometimes there's a very robust state dental association that's involved. Um, uh, New Jersey, uh, you know, Georgia. And, you know, just thought of the first to pop in mind, but sometimes I'm talking to some folks and I'm like, well, what does your state dental association say about that? Uh, whatever it is, that's obviously adverse to their interests. And they're like, oh, I don't know. Well, you know, they just asked, uh, you know, that insurance company. And I'm like, why would you do that? It's like asking the, uh, the fox in the house whether he's warm, whether he needs a knife sharpener or something. And you remind uh, me, you're, you're, it springs to mind some a great group. Uh, uh, it's, um, I believe it's concerned dentists of Kansas and they took on Delta dental of Kansas and they're, they're dragging the state dental association along. They're, they're kicking them in the butt saying, you got to get on board with us. You got to get on board with us. It's in this grassroots element where we see the impetus for, for positive change. Again, we saw the same thing in Massachusetts. We saw the same thing in Washington state. And so, yeah, God bless them again to fight the good fight up there in Washington. Um, that's like the poster child that I use for what can happen when things go wrong. Um, so, the Delta Dental was taking their excess revenue and dumping it into uh, private equity venture capitalist money. Insurance companies aren't supposed to do that. You know, they should what? excess revenues. You put that into safe investments. You put that into uh, blue chip investments. No, we put this in the high risk. Well, this is my shock face. Listeners, you should see my shock face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so now one thing I was reading the, the, other, the other day, um, and I'm not sure I totally understood this, but I thought it was cool. Um, you see the dental industry much like the Matrix. And I was like, I got to ask about that break it down for me uh what you see is not what you get uh the public and i i've been you know kicking this around in my own head for so long uh maybe to get my writing maybe get a blog out directly to the public um well you're, you're right here in the public i know i i'm just but i'm i i'm thinking what really goes on uh like i mentioned why do those DSOs, certain ones, I'm not saying all of them, but there's a big chunk. They they want to sign on to every insurance plan they can. Again, they want the patient in the door so they can upsell them on other dental services, often which are not needed. And you'll look at their um, incentive program, just say in the hygiene department, you'll mm. they'll have like a, a leader or what they call a hygiene queen. I've seen that one. Uh, who can sell the most? I won't mention the name of the company, but let's say it's a mincycline antibiotic, which goes into a periodontal sulcus. What does that mean? What's a periodontal pocket? In other words, when the um, 
the, the gums detach from the root surfaces, but you don't see it. it. It's it looks like the gums are you know pretty much where they should be, but they're really not. The bone has melted away. The attachment of the of the gums to the root surfaces on the tooth has dissolved away. So they want to pack all these things with uh, this antibiotic. Well, here's the deal on that. You go to the American Academy of Periodontology. They do these multiple longitudinal studies. What is the efficacy? It's approximately Mm -hmm. 0.5 millimeters of pocket reduction. Almost nothing. They're paying through, the public's paying through the nose for this stuff. And this stuff is being pre-sold before they even had a cleaning or what we call a scaling and root plane, before they even remove the, the bulk of the pathogens. They might, you know, these, these so-called periodontal pockets, uh, it, these sites of periodontal disease may resolve just with the, with the cleaning aspect, with the hygiene or the, the, the scaling and root planing. But no, they want to upsell, upsell, upsell. And I've had the opportunity, I will not mention companies, but to look at their books. Uh, there's certain situations where in discovery, I get to examine certain financials. Up to 20% or more of the company revenue based on that alone. Another thing is they will do a, a dental cleaning and they'll upsell for a uh, irrigation. In other words, they'll swish around some chlorhexidine. Should be included. It should be an included service. Now, the insurance industry doesn't care because they're not going to charge for it to um. the insurance company. We care. So, Actually, so I'll the tell insurance you, company doesn't give a rights. Doubles you just the patient. Here. They don't care. The I chaired the grievance committee for three years. I know exactly what you're talking about, and that was seventy percent of the complaints was the uh, like you know I've been seeing a dentist for how many years, and now you know I go into I won't mention any of the names um, into this very large corporate facility. And, you know, they're telling me I, I have pocket depths of this and I need, you know, deep cleaning and, um, and I don't want to say that. I don't even know if it's a brand, you know, but the, yeah, there's, there's, a there, brand there's, there's some sort brand. of rinses and, uh, you know, there's also the, what you're putting into the pockets. And so, uh, when you're like 0.5, you know, zero what 0.05 and there's 0.5 0. 0. millimeter pocket reduction, which is and, and, and virtually there's no, nothing. And there's no efficacy rate, right? right. There's right. no proven so, efficacy. You, you do that therapy more or less as in, in, as a hail Mary. You've got a site that you know will not respond to uh, a surgical intervention, periodontal surgical intervention, such as like in a uh, root furcation where the roots divide. And that's a, a site that does not respond well to surgical intervention. So you do that as a basically a Hail Mary. That's what that therapy is for. And yet you're upselling it to just gazillion numbers of patients. Right, everybody walks in the door. Like my you wife, better my... believe it. And if that hygienist is not upselling that and the doctor has to turn away, he has or she has to look the other way, they're going to get the boot right out the door. Remember, the bottom line for corporate dentistry is return on investment for shareholders. It's not the best interest of the patient. Nobody's going to enforce that either. Public's going to have to start learning. All right. You got to go to people and see people and work with people that have your best interests. 
And so they're how under would an ethical you... and legal obligation to do so. Doesn't mean they do so, especially if they're working for the man, especially if they're working for an office manager who may or may not even have a high school education and they've got an advanced professional degree. It's pathetic. Right. So if I'm a consumer and I am, I have teeth. Even if you didn't have teeth, you're a consumer. We'll we'll fix you up. That's true. That's true. All of our listeners in Mississippi, you're welcome. Uh, Um, Get limb plants, removable (laughs) or fixed prosthetics. We can hook you up. We want you looking good. We want you eating. Eating is one of the great pleasures in life. And as I get older, that's probably the best pleasure in life. Um, so let's say that for our regular folks out there and they're like, well, how do I know if the dentist is good or bad? What are they supposed to do? Well, one thing is, well, I, uh, they're a provide provider, preferred provider with my insurance company means nothing, nothing, nope. nothing. Um, that just means they're cheap. Uh, I would truly, I would truly go to your, um, friends and family. I would go to your uh, human resource people at your employer. Who do you get the less complaints from? Who do you get favorable responses from? Uh, they're going to know the dogs in the in the community. Who they? Because they, they've gotten an earful. Believe me, there's certain uh, facilities, dental clinics, which they they get an earful on. Uh, but your friends like and family is suggestion. really your best resource. Uh, your state dental boards. Uh, <laughs> Some are good, mm-hmm. fairly good, uh, but a lot of real bad, real corruption, real corruption at the state board level. Like what corruption? What? What do they do? Some of them do nothing. Some of them, uh, we had a situation in Nevada where they, uh, allegedly the attorney was running an extortion or a shakedown operation out of the state board. And uh, state board members were paid in a way like oh we're gonna have a um we're gonna go to orlando and disney world and we're gonna have a conference of the state dental board and my law firm's gonna pick up the tab Hmm. shake them down like what like hey well so they say okay there's a complaint from the public you can make this complaint disappear if you settle for this amount (laughs) and it's like uh i never did that that's not me well, do you want the legal expenses? Do you want the time? We're going to make it hard on you. And you understand uh, when we get a, a judgment and we'll get that judgment with the uh, the hearing officer at the dental board. No problem. We'll get that. How do you think you're going to do in state district court if you choose to appeal? Ouch. Yeah. They shake them down pretty good. Um, that's one thing. The other, The other thing we're going to see we're already seeing it is where um, uh, it's called um, uh, regulatory capture, where an industry, you've seen it in your ins- insurance industry, uh, let's say your in- state insurance commissioner was a former executive with XYZ Insurance Company. Oh, what? yeah. That, well, that, what? that doesn't happen. Oh, could it happen? Oh, it happens all the time. What do you mean? It does. It's dirty. doesn't serve the public welfare. Well, we got a situation. I mean, who else? One in Georgia. It? I'll give you one in Georgia. Uh, John Oxendine. And we're not going to. This is another situation. I'll give you one in the dental world. We had uh, 
the chief dental officer of a major DSO who was sitting on the Georgia Dental Board. Well, lo and behold, uh, was it Governor, um, was it one of your former governors? Pulled him so, off. So Sonny Purdue. Sonny, no, not Purdue. Nye. Nathan Nye. Something like I forget. Anyways, he 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 jerked him off the board once uh they had a 24, it's like $23.9 million settlement with the US Department of Justice for alleged Medicaid fraud. So ooh, hmm. here's your chief dental officer involved with this company for big dollar settlement on alleged uh children's Medicaid fraud. Not There's very good. You want that guy on the board? Come on. What are you having these people on the boards for? Jersey's got the same thing. Um, we've got we've got DSO Corruption members. in New Jersey. Are, are, this is just shocking. I am so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> we call that regulatory capture where we get the, 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 the industries that should be regulated. They've got their own people on the boards. Mm. Yeah, that's not what good. the insurance industry not, does. Not good. And <laughs> we, we know who is the commissioner because it was one of us. But to be fair, who else knows about insurance? Um, and so yes, that that is true. That is true. But you you, you got to put some safeguards in place. You I totally to. agree. I, I I agree. Now, there's always going to be bad actors. You know, I, like I speak all the time, and sometimes I. I catch myself having to defend the insurance industry, you know, and I'm like, really they be active it. in the insurance industry when they're serving on that board. Um, no, no, no that's right. No, I would uh, agree with you there. And uh, no, if you're the commissioner, no, absolutely not. No, oh, no, you if can't serving on a dental board. You can't have uh, that. If you're a company that's, that's under us, uh, us, uh, JOD investigation. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're the chief dental officer. I'd uh, say we, no. And I'd the, say that and the, the governor should the have board, that guy the, long before it became public. And the board, right? Hold on. So you got to back it up a little bit. So again, not sure. The the board of dentistry for a state board. Yes, state dental they're, board. They're in charge of regulations. Yep. Of licensees. All right. They're yeah, also so. in charge of other, some other things, depending on the state. It could be the unlawful practice of dentistry, for example. Let's say, um, uh, you know, somebody is an undocumented alien from Guatemala. They set up a dental clinic in their apartment or their garage or their trailer, whatever. That's how uh, I got my gold st- teeth. Yeah, well, many states, they set up a little <laughs> dental shop. And uh, the, the, a lot of these people do not, their, their clients do not speak English. Uh, they don't trust the system. We've got clinics for disadvantage that we, we've, we've established. But they don't trust it. You know, maybe someone's gonna, you know, rat them out to La Migra, migration, immigration people. They're scared. They they come right. from nations which uh, they're very authoritarian, so they're scared. So they go to somebody that speaks their language, knows their culture, but is not a licensed practitioner, and they get hurt. A lot of these people get hurt, um, and it's a it's a cash business. Um, so the That's state dental boards many times will go after those individuals who are abusing the disadvantaged. But I will contend that there's very little difference between unlicensed entities, which are controlling the practice of dentistry. They're doing the same thing, but they don't touch them. State doesn't touch them. State regulators don't touch them. Oh, but 
the, the, the dentist controls, they're just doing the, the ancillary services. They're not practicing dentistry. Uh, yes, they are. They set the terms of the hours of practice. They, they, they hire the employees. Um, they, they provide the supplies, the equipment, which dental laboratories you can use. They're, right. they're so so, so let's for our, for, for our listeners, because I know what you're saying, but <laughs> what, what Mike is referring to is a uh, managed, it's well, a dental service organization or a managed care service organization or a managing entity. And so in many states, the dentist has to be the owner, right? And then Correct. there's another entity that handles all of the like payroll, human resources, and so there's two entities. Um, and I think what you're saying here is well i guess let me ask the question how are business service agreements aka management service agreements or administrative service agreements structured to generate beneficial practice ownership for a dso and lead doctors to play maybe a nominal or some would say even a bogus role yeah they're very often what we call a sham owner sham sham owner they're right. not a real owner and in, in, under any legal definition who controls the uh, bank accounts not the owner doctor the the, the owner is just a facade mm-hmm. and uh the profits go to the uh, dso the management company profits don't go to the doctor so the doctor is in no uh position of control and when you read those contracts uh it's very easy for the service company to boot the doctor. That doctor is not free to say, I don't like this management company. They're not giving me or my staff or what I really want for my patients. Uh, they're not an asset to me. I'm going to fire them and hire another DSO. Under the terms of the contracts, that's pretty much never allowed. Wait a minute. So I'm the, I'm the owner doctor. I can't fire the management service organization. Correct. They can Correct. fire me. You you've got a you got a 15 year contract or one that's almost into perpetuity. 15. They're gonna boot your butt out of there. They've got I'm ways a, to boot your butt out of there. I'm already married, Mike. I'm <laughs> well, that's as much commitment as I can take. I yeah. Um. So am I getting paid well to be a sham or a cool outfit? It depends. Some some do and some don't. Uh, I mentioned that one in uh, out of Georgia. What th- what that one does, and I will not mention the company. They all set it up a little differently. So what they do is they set up their uh, uh, chief dental officer or dental officers plural, and they'll get a license in a variety of states, and they will own a variety of dental practices, none of which they really own or control, or probably never stepped a foot in. You get mm-hmm. it? Very mm-hmm. good. So the management company is the beneficial owner. Their mm-hmm. chief dental officer is the nominal owner, the sham owner, the nominee owner. Okay. And the name? Yeah, I do. And and, so uh, it's a it's a worker, it's a workaround. You call it a workaround, but uh all you yeah. have to do is read those contracts and you're and it's like, oh, you guys are engaged in the unlawful practice of dentistry, the unlawful um ownership of a dental practice. An uh, end around shut you down. An, an end around. It's That's an end around, but uh 
and nobody wants to prosecute it. Why? Follow the money. Always follow the money. Mm. If you're an illegal and you're practicing out of your garage, you're not paying into the political machine. They're going to shut you down. Mm. That's now, a very paying into the machine. You got you got a free license to operate. Sure, that's part of the matrix. All right, I'm starting you know, to pick up. Oh, very good. I'm, I'm starting to pick up what, circle, buddy. What, what you're putting down. Um, so, you know, in the interest of time, you know, this has been awesome. I feel like I could do this all day. Um, so we'll probably have to have you back on. But because um, this has been fun. The, what's it? I don't know what this means, but uh, it was written down as a question. Uh, what is the significance of the U.S. Fifth District? Fifth Circuit ruling 07-30430. Repeat that number again for our listeners, because they're going to want to look that up online. I want them not to read the summary. Read what the is, whole ruling. What Zero, is, go ahead. Yep. 07-30430. The United States Fifth Circuit ruling. Very good. And that had to do, and the and the judge wrote a very good uh, uh, ruling on that one. Why? Because it's not written in legalese. Okay, uh, a regulator can read that. Law enforcement can read that. Uh, a company owner can read that. Anybody can read that and understand the judge's ruling. And that's the way our better jurists will write their rulings. They don't write it in legalese. It's just esoterica. Um, only a few can understand. That's not what we want. Uh, basically, what we had a situation with the uh, Orthodontic Centers of America. Some of our older docs will remember that outfit. Uh, that was a, a chain outfit and uh, of orthodontic centers. Uh, and the, 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 they basically controlled the operations of these variety of, of uh, dental clinics. But in each of these clinics, they positioned the dentist, the orthodontist to be quote unquote owners, but they had no control of the operation. <laughs> they didn't have control of the bank accounts, uh, mm -hmm. staffing. Uh, this was controlled by the, the, um, uh, the parent company, which is not a licensed doctor. So mm -hmm. what happens is uh, 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 this company goes bankrupt. These docs want their freedom. Uh, freedom of operation. And no, you're under contract to us. You can't be free from obligations under your contract. Well, it basically ruled that this contract uh, uh, could not be um, sectioned up, uh, uh, partitioned up into different agreements because the, the entirety of the contract was written to circumvent the rule of law in Texas. You don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with Texas, but uh, there's other states you don't mess with. Uh, I would, I, Texans are a, a breed apart. Mm -hmm. I like Texans, and I, I know New Me Mexico, eh, they have some feelings. Uh, but I really like Texans, uh, by and large. They're good people. Uh, they're fighters. They got a good sense of history. They know their state's history. Boy, they, they in their public schools, they push their state's history. Um, they learn a lot. These young people learn a lot and uh, uh, a lot of business opportunities in Texas and um, Georgia, where you're at as well, Florida where, as well. Well, I agree. You know, there's um, Texas has a very fierce independent 
streak, um, which which is something that I dig uh, about those folks out there. Howdy to all of uh, our listeners in Texas. Um, so, you know, Mike, we are going to have to wrap this up here. If folks want to get a hold of you, um, do email. Email. Well, for hit me. M W Davis D D S at Comcast dot net. I will repeat M W D A V I S D D S at Comcast dot net. Okay. And we will have his contact information on the episode web page. Um, you can find it on Apple, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, Amazon, we're everywhere. Um, however, you choose to stream. And I would like to thank Mike for a very enlightening program. This has been great. Um, I'd like to. Oh, have- I run away from controversy, don't I? Yeah, no, <laughs> not so much. Um, I think it. Uh, if you if you heard some sirens, that you'd be going right to them, and I I respect that. I like the independent streak. I like to have. We've got to be fighting for the the public interest and the public welfare. Uh, Long term, if we support the public interest, we support the public welfare. We're gonna do great in the long term. The short term thinking, and I'm gonna I'm picking on the private equity industry here. That too many of them just thinking about quarterly numbers, quarterly profits, constantly trying to beat the street. Okay, I call it beat the meat for all I care. Um, <laughs> I've had it with those people. Uh, I want long-term relationships within the doctor-patient relationship. That's a legal contract where the doctor holds the patient's welfare above all other interests. That's got to be paramount, and that is being destroyed. Gotcha. Well, that's a microphone drop moment if I ever heard one. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Until next time.